Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you are watching for the first time or are simply catching up on a message you miss, we are so glad you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. May you be inspired by the word today. I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect for God's word. We are in the book of Habakkuk. We are in chapter 2. We're going to read verses 2 to 8 and then 19 to 20. I, I, Eddie's going to help me and you're going to follow along with him. I'll start with verse 2 and then you will follow along at starting at verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. Verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Verse five. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. But soon their captors will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You become rich by extortion, but, no, how, but how much longer can this go on? Verse 7. Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have, while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. Verse 19. What sorrow awaits you who say wooden idols? Wake up and save us. To speechless stone images you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let's pray. I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, Eddie, for your help. Before I preach chapter two of Habakkuk, can I have your attention? See, if I pause, that's like, oh my gosh, he never pauses. That must be a big deal. I went to my prayer closet, and when I go to my prayer closet, sometimes God speaks to me very clearly, and this is one of those times. He wants me to share two things with you before I preach. I want you to see my heart, not necessarily my words. We know over the last two years that churches have been de devastated by this thing called COVID. KCC is no exception to that rule. Although we're seeing some amazing movements of God right in our midst, there have been challenges in our midst as we tried to figure this out. One of the, if you are uh, a person that calls KCC home, you probably received a letter from me this week actually dealing with the issues we're dealing with. The reality is that because of this, we have nearly half of our people that we do not know where they're at. We know where some are. They're home because they're waiting out COVID. 
Others have left the church, but the large majority, we simply do not know where they are at. As a result of this, we are 20% under budget. What does that mean? That's the amount of money that we can no longer absorb as a church. So as the leader, I have to try to figure out how we're going to absorb this and move forward. Why do I tell you this? Because I want to be open with you. I want you to realize that I'm not gonna play you. It's my responsibility to help us to figure out how we can continue the ministry that God is so, bliss, uh, um, so amazingly blessing us with. I had an incredible meeting this week with developers, that's right. We've been looking for the last year how we can develop the land around this church that will enable there not only to be housing, but a ongoing um, alternative revenue streams for us. We have a desire to build on the second floor of our daycare that would also allow us to expand ministry and allow us to have funds. So I'm doing my part the best I can to figure this out. But really reason why I'm telling you is for two reasons. Number one, to pray. Number two, to thank those of you who have continued to give because without your tithe and offering, the hands and feet of Jesus and the ministry and the lights would not be possible for us at a church. But this is for the rest of you who love Jesus and who call KCC home and yet for whatever reason have not engaged in this thing called tithe and offering. I ask you to ask the Lord what he would want you to give. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to make you feel bad and I'm not here to uh, beg you for money. I'm here to tell you the truth. And so I now trust you, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the place, that this is simply the truth of the matter, believing that God will help us with that. Can I get an amen? amen. Secondly, I wanna say, as I've said over and over again, that we need community like we've never needed community before. I've implemented three things for our church that you can or cannot uh, or decide not to be engaged with. Obviously, community groups was the first thing that we talked about when COVID hit. You need to be in relationship with others. We created a Saturday morning men's Bible study that continues to grow to this day. We started Open Table that started this last week that you can actually get to know one another, do a meal with people, and engage in studying the Bible. Those are just three ways, along with ministry opportunities and small groups to get engaged with us. Why do I say that community is important? Because I believe that we're approaching a time that you can no longer just live by yourself with Jesus. Yeah, we've been able to do it in the past, and we've done it really well. We've even gathered in sanctuaries like this, and we've not um, connected in community. We run in and we run out. But I don't believe that the days ahead of us are gonna allow us to do that. I'm an optimist. I'm not a person that's an alarmist, but I do also see what's before us. And if you guys think that COVID was the last thing we're facing, then you got your head stuck in the sand. It's only the beginning, and it's my responsibility to lead this church in a way that we are ready for whatever is before us. Can I get an amen? amen. And we're gonna need each other like we've never needed each other before. So I encourage you, whether you come in person or whether you're online, to begin to engage. Now let me speak to those of you online. I celebrate our ministry of technology and all of our volunteers. They've done an incredible job. They host, they pray, they engage you. People are coming to know the Lord. I celebrate all of that. You see, our online serves a, a group of people, those that do not live in geographical close region and they get the chance to engage us, those that are checking us out and trying to figure out where the, and what they believe about Jesus, those that are sick and those that are away short term, and those that are dealing with this thing called COVID. Those are all valid and real reasons why people are not back in the sanctuary. But I also need to speak to the larger group. That's the group that have, for whatever reason, 
enabled this season of 18 to 24 months to allow you to become complacent. And as a result, you're no longer engaging the body of Christ, and yet you say you believe in Jesus. Some of you have even used COVID as a reason why you stay home, but that you already know in your heart that's not why you stay home. You stay home because it's easier, and you don't have to get up, and you don't have to say hi to somebody. And yet, I say to you, if you are engaged all week long, and you do all the things that you do all week long, and then you decide not to engage the body of Christ, I ask you to go to your prayer closet and ask the Lord, why have I allowed myself to get here? Because it really, the reason why I'm telling you the truth today is because I care about you. And I'm willing to risk you being mad at me and saying I don't really agree with anything he said, but it's my responsibility before God to tell you the truth. We need each other and we're going to do amazing things and God is doing amazing things. The longer you stay disconnected, the harder it will be to reconnect. That's the reality that we're facing today. And I don't want you to miss all the amazing things that God is doing. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Enough said from my heart. We're in a sermon series called Habakkuk. Somebody say Habakkuk. How many never knew how to re, uh, pronounce the word Habakkuk? You know, you know I, I'm the master of slaughtering the English language, so if I can say Habakkuk, you can say Habakkuk, all right? This is a minor prophet. This series is entitled From Worry to Worship. Let me say it again clearly for all of you. The more you worry, the less you worship. The more you worry, the bigger your world becomes. The more you worship, the less you worry, and the less... The more you worship, the bigger your God becomes. Can I get an amen? That's the reality. Now, we've got this minor prophet. His name is Habakkuk. He's all messed up. And this whole book, three chapters, is in dialogue between him and God. And he's upset at God, and he's saying to God, God, what are you up to? He's looking around at his nation called Judah, and they're messed up. There's injustice. There's wickedness. The courts are totally in, uh, not even working. And he's saying, God, when are you going to take care of this and God wasn't answering him in the right timing and he began to worry and fret and in this dialogue God did answer him and he said I'm going to take care of it judgment is coming on Judah but you're not going to like my answer I'm going to actually use a nation worse than Judah the Babylonians I'm going to use evil to actually come in and 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 steal my justice on Judah and then Habakkuk had to actually deal with this whole thing and understand what's he going to do I ask you the question today, what about your life? Are you in the middle of it? Are you in the middle of the worry, kind of wondering, where's God? Uh, where's he at and what's he up to? Why is he meeting me where I'm at? Uh, why is he allowing me to struggle so much? Why is there unfairness all around me? God, where are you? Anybody been asking that recently? Habakkuk was right there and he didn't like what God gave him, the answer he gave. What are the hurdles that you're facing? What are the challenges that you're coming up against these days? And as you face those hurdles and those challenges, I am convinced that for a lot of us, those are control issues. We wanna be in control. Am I the only one that likes control? That silence means that some people in this room are actually lying, because there's a lot of us that like to be in control. How many of us have trust issues? Life has caused a lot of hurt and pain in your life, therefore to trust God is a really challenging issue. Others, you have a belief issue, you doubt, and doubt continues to scream at you day in and day out. Habakkuk was really doubting God in all of this because he didn't think that God was doing it the way that God should. 
Anybody in the middle of that? Expectation issues. God, I deserve this. I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. Do what you need to do. We've all been there. But it's an important thing for us to understand. It is critical that just like the prophet, you and I, we have to build this thing called faith in our lives. Faith that actually moves us forward, that we are no longer dominated by worry and fretting over everything. It's critical in our lives. Habakkuk has to face this moment where he accepts God's plan even though he doesn't like it. You and I must do the same thing. When we begin to worship, it makes all the difference. So now, with the time we have left, I wanna give you three practical things that faith needs to do in our life that you have, you've heard before but I think it's critical for us today. The first element of active or living faith is this. We need faith that saves you. Faith that saves you. Somebody say, Jesus saves. Say it again, Jesus saves. If you have your Bibles open, you can still see in chapter two of Habakkuk, verse four, he says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. These are the people that say, I don't believe in God. They're gonna do it themselves. But, he says, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. In other words, he's saying to us that we have to be righteous before God. Back up, what is righteous? What does it mean to be righteous? These are the kind of questions I ask when I read the Bible. I like to simplify things because if I can understand it, you can understand it. Righteousness literally means this. I am in right standing before God. I am right standing before God, therefore I am righteous. The problem is I can't clean myself up enough. How many of us try to clean ourselves up and then we come to God? How many in our family say that? I can't go to God because look at all this stuff in my life. I remember when I led my brother to the Lord after 35 years of him saying, I will not believe. And it wasn't until he was facing death with cancer that we started talking about the real issues that matter to him. But his whole mentality up to that point was, I gotta get my life all together and then I can come to God. The Bible is very clear that we cannot make ourselves righteous before God simply can't do it. But that's the way the world looks, doesn't it? All, most of the religions of the world and those who have no belief in, the world, uh, in God whatsoever, they all believe that we work towards becoming better in our own strength. Listen to this statement and tell me if it sounds okay at first listening, and that is this. You'll hear this a lot. It's really messed up outside. I just need to get better and so that I can go out, I, I need to go out and help with the mess. It sounds at first appearance, it's an okay statement. But in the biblical worldview, here's the problem with that. Before I go and help the mess out there, I gotta first acknowledge that I have mess in here. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? Now we live in a day and age, now we're going back to Christianity 101. But Christianity 101 is being deconstructed as I speak. That the things that we've always believed are no longer the norm that people believe anymore. Does this make sense to anybody? And what I mean by this is simply this. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned, Romans 3.23. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody believe that? That's not the world we live in. Break me free of the Christian worldview that you keep telling me I'm a worthless sinner. I never said you weren't worthless. But I did declare the scripture says you are a sinner. Agree? Everybody, according to scripture, says what? We are created in the what? The image of God. But that relationship is broken. 
And that's what we need to understand here today is that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And the consequence says what? The wages of sin is death. And there's only one way out of this. Here's the reality that saving faith that I'm trying to say to you is this. Here's Habakkuk in the a nation that is already split and divided. The northern kingdom's gone. They're all messed up. And in all of this, what we see happening simply is this, is that they've come to this point because God has chosen them. All the way back in Genesis 12. They didn't earn the right. They weren't more special than anybody else. God just says, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to allow you to know me. And then you're going to be a blessing to the world. This is what it is. I'm going to give you commandments. I'm going to give you a promised land. I'm going to let you show shine in the world that they will want to follow me. They didn't do such a good job with that, did they? They didn't earn it. And now we're at a point in all of this that God is allowing an evil nation to judge them. Not destroy them, judge them. And for 70 years, they're going to be in captivity so that an entire generation is no longer alive. And then their children will rise up and hopefully turn to God. This is the reality of the situation in which they found themselves in. Now, having said that, my question to us as we look at this is where is your faith at? Those of you who are listening to my voice right now, Habakkuk was doubting his faith that God could actually use this nation. I know that many of you probably celebrated these uh, baptisms today and you were like, that is totally cool and that was totally awesome. But I've been in ministry enough and I've been around the block a few times to tell you this. I have seen it over and over again and what I don't assume anymore is that people are okay in their salvation. In this room of this size and those that are online, there are those of you today that continually doubt if you were to die that you would go to heaven. But you're not willing to be open about that. You struggle back and forth. And your entire doubt is, uh, when I die, where do I go? What actually does that look like in my life? And you, and you vacillate back and forth because you say, Pastor, if you only, only knew all the things that I did, that's why I doubt where I'm going to go. Let me, be, let me back up and say this. If you continue to work in a works mentality, you are in a dangerous state. Because when you're close to God, you're saying, I'm doing it all right. But then when I mess up, then I'm really far away from God. That works mentality will take us to places we surely don't want to go. Do you have faith that you're doubting today? Today, I'm going to call you out that if you are tired of doubting, today is your day that you no longer have, no longer have to worry about your salvation. That faith is something that is a gift to every single one of you, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, what you're thinking, where you're at. He is that faithful to you this very moment. And it is clear from scripture that this gift for you is by faith, not by works, so that none of us can boast. Can you imagine if salvation was by works? You think we're messed up now? We would compete like crazy. Would we not? Who is better and who's gained this and all the rest? But we know it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him and it has me to bow down and say, I can't. That's simply all it is, friends. You don't hear any other things I said. It's simply coming to the point of your life where you simply say, I can't. Some of you here though, catch what I'm saying. Some of you, especially online and here in this room, you are literally in your spirit right now running from the words I've just said. You don't wanna hear them. You're trying everything you can to fight, 
But I'm here to declare to you today, there is a God that loves you regardless if you say, I don't love you, and he will chase you down, and he will love you in spite of your saying, I don't wanna be loved. Does anybody agree with me this morning? <laughs> Saving faith. The second element is this, faith that is applied every day. Somebody say, build my faith, Lord. Say it again, build my faith, Lord. Now here's the problem. Here's what we've taught in America. We've talked about you need faith for salvation. You've all understood what I just said the first point, right? But we stop right there. And then there's no change in our lives. And the reality is that salvation faith then moves us to daily faith. Look at verse two, uh, chapter two, verse four again. He says, some translation says, you will live by faith. The New Living Translation, which we read, says that you, you will be, there's faithfulness to God. So faith is what you believe. Faithfulness is living out what you believe. James chapter two says, you show me what you believe. You show me how you believe by what you believe. I'll show you what I believe by what I do. In other words, once I truly experience the saving faith, then I will begin to express that in my life. It's an automatic overflow of who I am. I am convinced that some people have never experienced salvation. They've experienced their parents' faith. They've experienced religion. They've experienced emotion. But if you, if you've experienced what I have experienced July 28th, 1982, as a lost teenager at 17 years old, totally lost, not raised in a church, and then I said, God, if you're real, do something and do it now. I didn't even know how to pray, and it so radically changed my life. In that moment, I can't give you words. I can't wrap it in a piece of paper that you can understand it, but it so changed me on the inside out that that faith moved into application, that I wanted the rest of the world to know that what he's done for me, he can do for them. Does this make sense to anybody? This is what Habakkuk is saying to this nation. You've been chosen, but you haven't lived up to your daily faith. You didn't just come to this point of wickedness overnight, did you? It was over a period of time you've come here. And he says in Hebrews 10, 38, the righteous will live by faith. Here's the key word, live today, active. Stop putting God in a, in a silo and say, now I'm gonna do my church thing, then I'll go out and do the rest of my life. That's why you're not experiencing the fullness of what it means to follow Christ. Saving faith leads to daily faith. It's not that you're gonna be perfect, it's not that you're gonna get it all right, but we build our faith every single day. How do you live by faith daily? The Hebrews writer chapter 11 says, there was Enoch who lived faithfully to God and he walked with God and then he was no more. He didn't die but he walked with God. Isn't that good? Abraham was considered, Hebrews 11, a friend of God. He knew God. That's not just salvation, that's a, a faith applied. And then Moses, his parents saved him and he by faith walked through the Red Sea. Joshua stood up to the walls of Jericho. And I'm here to tell you, some of you are facing mighty walls and I'm here to tell you there's only one that when my faith is active, I will remember what he's done here, that he can knock down these walls. Can I get an amen? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and then the Bible truly messes us up. There's a prostitute, yeah, a prostitute. Her name is Rahab, and she hid by faith the spies so they could spy out the land. So it's not where you've been, 
It's where you are today. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so we got to build our faith. Live your faith every day. We had the runners up here as an example. I'm here to tell you that as I run that race next week, I've been running my entire life and have no problems running, but I've never wanted to run a marathon because I never wanted to get injured. I like my halves, my tens, and my fives, but I don't like getting hurt. Make sense? And even though I think I'm younger, when I start running, my body tells me I'm not younger, right? And so my daughter, who's 25 years old, she says, Dad, <laughs> I don't know if this was good or bad, Dad, before you get too old, will you run a marathon with me? And I just had enough competitive juices in me to say, you're not going to say that to me and me say no to that. So here I find, and then I can hide it all under, I'm going to provide clean water for Africa, right? It's not that I don't care about that. I'm just saying that I, this is the whole thing of training. Now, so I've been training for a long time. 3.45 a.m., I wake up, and everything inside me says, do not go out in the middle of the night and run 10 miles, 12 miles, 16 miles. And because my day is so busy, I have to be done by 6.30 or 7. So then I go out day after day, two hours, three hours, and my legs scream at me. They hate me. My feet are so beaten up right now, I can't even put these, I can't believe I got these nice shoes on. Right? What's my point? It doesn't matter who you are unless you are an anomaly. If you haven't trained daily, even though you were so motivated and, and, and next week the gun goes off, if you're not trained, you, you won't be able to finish this thing. It's just not possible. It's the day to day to day that nobody sees. Nobody cheers you on. Nobody's saying that a boy. You're doing it because it's the right thing. You follow me today. Because here's where we all, let me just be honest with us. Many of you can clearly articulate, this is where I am with my person and my, and my life. And then you can say, here's where I want to be, and I can even describe to you the character and where I want to be in my growth. But because of the way we've taught you, you're all into this microwave Christianity. Snap my fingers, and then I'm over here. It doesn't work that way. It's a day-by-day -day living faith. Does this make sense to anybody? And my continual yeses give me the ability to face the life that God has for me. What I'm trying to tell us, tell us today is that without exercising our faith daily, we become spiritually weak. Temptation begins to overcome us. Our, our perspective begins, becomes to, uh, sideways. And most importantly, we begin to lose our purpose. And once we lose our purpose, we're in trouble. Habakkuk had lost his purpose. He was totally sideways. He didn't really like all this. The beautiful thing is next Sunday, we get to see the worship where he finally says who God is, and he worships him in the midst of an incredibly challenging moment. The key point is Jesus is the rock, and putting our faith daily in him changes everything. You need saving faith. You need daily faith. And my last point is this. You need faith that is applied through a lifetime. You need to finish the race. Can somebody say, build my faith, Lord? One more time. Build my faith, Lord. But finishing well is the goal, is it not? Let's be honest. I'm in my mid-50s. And in with, talking with my best buddies, we look around and followers of Jesus don't finish so well. They don't. But they follow a long line of history. 
Have you ever studied the Old Testament? The vast majority of the kings do not finish well. You can start a marathon really well. Everybody's cheering and you're, you're all excited. But when you get out in there, that's where all the rubber meets the road, right? And, I, and my buddies and I, we talk about, you've got these group of, the, as, they, as, they're, as they're winding things down, they're just coasting to the finish line. I don't want to be in that group. Then you got the second group. This is a large group today. They've either deconstructed and said, I no longer believe because I'm drinking today's Kool-Aid. I don't like that Kool-Aid. I've got new Kool-Aid so I can be cool. Or I'm in a massive sin, so I've just qualified myself. I've divorced my family. I've gone out and I need a younger person in my life, etc. But the smallest group is the group that finishes well. Why? Because this was real, whatever it was, and Jesus met me. And then I kept feeding that relationship regardless of what life threw at me. And then I finished well. Do you know what I said to someone this week? I think it was my accountability partner. I said, I want to finish in such a way the race of life for Jesus, breathing hard, that I finished. I didn't didn't walk around with everybody. I I don't want to be in the boat. I want to be on the water still going, oh my word, Jesus, you got to do this because I can't. How many of us are doing that today? Finishing well. Because you see in, the, in chapter 2 here, they didn't finish well. And he gives all the descriptions from verse 4 to verse 17 of the description, you can see it, of this nation of Babylon. They were messed up. Messed up in all ways. And Israel wasn't much different than them. And by the way, the Babylonians will be judged. They will be judged, so you all know. But the state of the, Babylon, uh, the Babylonians has an eerie comparison to us today in the United States of America. The only difference, can I tell you something, anybody want an encouraging note today? Is that we have a remnant. What do you mean by remnant, pastor? The darker it gets, and the more there's a, sh- a sifting, and people no longer attend church, or people no longer say, I believe in Jesus, when this begins to happen, and evil becomes norm, and wrong becomes right, and right becomes wrong, I lived in a culture that way, by the way, for 10 years. What happens is that those who truly love Jesus rise to the surface. And they, according to Philippians chapter 2, they shine like the stars in the universe in a depraved and crooked generation. And what I see happening today is exactly that. The evil all around, the walking away from Christ is the norm. It is the norm, right? But those who finish well, there will be this amazing remnant that will be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what I'm about here. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm here to prepare you for the days ahead. And so that we could stand strong together in community and we could finish well together, right? We can finish well together. I assure you that I will finish that race next week a lot better because my daughter will be beside me. A lot better than by myself. Some of you are saying, I don't need anybody else. I can finish by myself. You can't. And I can take you to country after country after country. When we started house churches underneath where it was illegal, and we had to baptize in the bathtubs because we would be thrown in jail. They were so excited that they could come together and we'd bring these 12 house churches together at one time, twice a year. The celebration of community was immense and they celebrated because they understood that they needed one another because they were a minority. 
And, and, and that's what's happening in our country. We're becoming a minority of faith. I'm not worried about the number. What I'm concerned about is that we rise up and truly follow Jesus with everything we've got and finish well. And even though there's gonna be things that come our way, just like they did to the prophet, that even though we will say to God, why? And that's okay, he can handle your whys. He can handle your doubts. Keep engaging him to the very end. You with me? Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Death to myself and alive to him. Faith is the fuel that enables us to worship God. I, by faith, choose to worship even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't understand. We began to make declarations of who God is. Who is God? Who is Jesus? We replace lies with truth. Does this make sense to anybody? And when I began to worship in that regard, I'm the one that has changed. But it's not a one and done. I gotta do it every single day. You tell me about talented people on the stages and talented leaders around America and all their great influence. And I will say to you this, show me how uh, or what a prayer life looks in a man and woman's private time and I'll tell you how tall they are in God. Not about their charisma, not about their skill, not about their titles and their accomplishments, but how much time do they spend with the Father who loves them? Because there's coming a day where your talent and your skills and your charisma and your titles will not suffice. Habakkuk was at his wit's end. And at that moment, that's when he got before the Father and the Father and he had this, con had this relationship and he was like, I'm going, to set, I'm going to accept this for you. I know who you are. We've got to do the same in our own life. And I apologize on behalf of all the preachers in America that have set you up that somehow you are owed a perfect life. That is simply not in Scripture. We've got a problem in America where we do not believe in the thing called suffering. Well, if you start reading the Bible, Jesus said they will not like you. He said it a little stronger than that. Did he not? And we have set one another up thinking that if I do all of this, then I get to the American dream and live happily ever after. That is not the gospel according to Jesus, I'm sorry. And those two continue to collide with one another. And now you, you, you've been able to live that way for years, but there's a time coming when we cannot be able to live that way. The line in the sand is being drawn and you must decide where you're at. It's my responsibility to let you know that, to tell you the truth. I don't know about you, but how many people here want to finish strong? I'll ask again, anybody in this room want to finish strong? One more time, let me ask, is there anybody in this room that wants to finish strong together? Faith moves us to worship of Jesus, and we declare, God is good all the time. He is a just God, is he not? He is a God who is in control, is he not? He is an all-loving God, is he not? He is a faithful God, is he not? He chases us down day by day and moment by moment. He loves us when nobody else will love us. 
He holds us when nobody else will hold us. He looks into our spirit when nobody else wants to see us. He will never, ever let you down. He is the amazing, awesome God of the Old Testament, but he's also Abba, Daddy of the New Testament. He is both. He is the one who created this, the, the earth in which we live. He's the one that on Mount Sinai allowed an earthquake to make his presence known, but he's also the intimate one who meets you in your private place and says, I love you. I have every hair on your head numbered. That's what I am for you today. This is what I declare to us today. And I must say that my hope every single day I get up, I wake up every day, not that things are perfect. I will say to you that in January, as I've been in my prayer closet, I'm going to preach a series, a, a series of Jesus and the tough stuff. And in that series, you're going to hear things that you'll make you blink. That you'll know that Jesus is able to enter all areas of our life. Not just the ones that we want to make everybody known, but all areas of our life. And I believe that's the gospel that we have to preach so that the world will know that we are truly believing that this Jesus can be engaged with everything. Amen? Here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, as the team comes on up, I pray right now that you would bless us in this moment. May we learn from this nation called Judah and, the, and where they went too far and then they had this horrible judgment of you on them. May we, may we wake up now as a church. May you wake us up and enable us to truly be honest with where we are and who we are. Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now, supernaturally, that you would fall in this place, and I cover this place by the blood of Jesus. Somebody start praying right now. Cover this place by the blood of Jesus, that there would be freedom for every individual that is struggling in their spirit now. For those that are just coasting, for those that have just given up, for those that have declared, I do not believe, for those that are in the middle of sin, that this moment, they would no longer, for just few moments, oh God, that they would be free to truly hear from you. No distractions. We pray against every demonic force that would try to harm, control, distract, so they could not hear clearly from you, Holy Spirit. So make this moment everything that you need it to be, that they could not get away from your amazing love, and they could experience what I experienced at 17 years old. May they experience that today. Because you said that you don't show favoritism. And so I'm asking right now, you would give that to every individual. They, they need it. They just need to come as they are. And so I pray right now that you would do exactly what you need to do in this place. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Look up this way. As I do very often, but I believe it's not the reason why I do it, because I don't want to manipulate a single soul here. But the Holy Spirit said to me, Mick, call it out. There are those online, and you need to engage our hosts. And there are those in this room you have been wavering about, do I truly live forever? Do I truly got this thing called salvation? I, I give all the verbiage to it, but my heart's been all over the place. You need to respond today to seal the deal on that. Secondly, you've been coasting. You haven't been practicing your faith daily. You've been living vicariously through other people. You've been staying in the boat. You've been just kind of like, I want to play it safe. So you don't even know what the Christian experience is all about. And you need to truly say, I want to apply my faith every day. And then there are those that my age and above, you've made it a little bit too easy for yourself. You've let age, been there, done that, seen it all. Shame on us.
we're going to be an example to the world and to those below us, may we finish breathing hard. It's going to look different for all of us, obviously, but that we're given everything we've got. Are you in one of those three groups? I want to finish well. I want to practice my faith daily, or I need to resolve my salvation today. Would you please stand with me right now? Go ahead and stand. I've already prayed for you. I prayed through the whole sanctuary. This could be the most important moment. Are you listening? For many of you for the rest of your lives. And without, just, just with the piano playing, if you are in one of those groups and you wanna make that right, would you come forward right now? I am needing to secure my salvation. I'm needing to start applying my faith. Or I have been cruising and I need to put it in fifth gear and I want to finish strong. There may be only one person. Is there anybody here that the Holy Spirit is speaking to and you would come and you would kneel here? I'll give you a moment. Anybody? Those three. I already know that they are. The question is, will you respond? Come on. We'll give you a moment. People are coming. If your heart's about ready to jump out of your chest, that's usually meaning the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and now you've got to respond. What are you going to do with that? No more excuses. No more excuses. Just come and kneel. I've had enough. I'm going to wait for you. People are still coming. Now I'm, we're gonna keep, we're gonna, we're gonna close in just a second, but people are doing business with God. Now there are gonna be those of you online and those of you standing right now that just because it's not my personality, Mick, I can't do this publicly. Well, you can do it anywhere, okay? I, I, I get that. But make sure you don't go into the rest of your day without resolving whatever the Holy Spirit's saying to you. It's just that it's easier that it can be stolen away going at lunchtime. It's easier to stay, just to, to push, it, push it off and it never, the, the enemy gives just one thing and that is tomorrow tomorrow but today is the day of salvation can I get an amen I waited for you guys I waited I saw you coming down from the balcony right here come on down now as we pray there's one thing that I want to be true at KCC and that is that nobody's left by themselves and so I'm gonna need help for people that would come forward here I need leaders elders staff they're going to pray with people and don't just pray with them get their names pray with them and find out what it is their need is okay can you do that with me I don't need to teach you just find somebody right now get down by them talk to them see how you can pray with them and get to know their story I shouldn't have anybody by themselves on down here not a single person we got people all over we need to be praying for right here Ben I need a male right here. Is there any men in the house? I need a man right here. I need one right here. I need a male right here. Talk to one another. Go ahead. And those of you who are standing, you can pray right now. Is that all right? Just start praying for a second. Go ahead, church. Those of you standing, I'll let you out in just a moment. Just start praying for those that are here. Lord Jesus, I pray that as these individuals talk, that you would hear their situations, 
that you would meet them where they are right here and right now and give them exactly what they need, that their faith would actually be moved in this moment, that you would hear their cry, that as they speak to you, you would powerfully show up in each of their lives. We commit them to you. I'm gonna pray a prayer recommitment, and if this is your prayer, would you pray it out loud with me, those standing, those online, those kneeling? Repeat this prayer if you can pray it and mean it. Lord Jesus, say it again, those out there standing, repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Say it again, I'm sorry for all that I've done. Forgive me, I choose you, I choose you. Take my doubt, take my struggle, I surrender it to you. Fill me with you, I give you my life, I surrender to you. I believe you are the Son of God. And I give you this moment. Lord Jesus, I choose to activate my faith. Every day, I choose you. I choose you. Give me truth. Give me strength. Give me anointing. Give me blessing. Give me protection. Keep the enemy far from me. Keep the enemy far from me. Send your angels to protect me and my spirit and my heart and my mind in Jesus' name. And lastly, Lord Jesus, I choose to finish strong. If you wanna finish strong, tell him right now. I choose to finish strong with my last breath. You have my life to follow you even in the difficult, even in the challenge. I fix my eyes on you, the author, the perfecter of my faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Hear my cry right now. I pray this in Jesus' name.